Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One topic that when I'm a guest on this program, I, I chat with Alex about a lot because I've been passionate about the issue for years. The drug injection sites throughout Toronto, the unfortunate chaos we see on our streets, the spillover effects for our children, for our communities, and the fact that we have people who whose lives are in a very tragic situation and we want their lives to turn around. We want them, we want the drug addicts on our streets to get better and do better and be reunited with their families and have purpose in their lives. I'm deeply passionate about the issue for multiple reasons, one of which is I lived across the street from Moss Park for a few years. We, we had a nice sort of middle-class condo um, that we had at Richmond and Sherburne. There's a little Tim Hortons in the lobby there. When Joe Warmington wrote about the um, the Oshawa Tim Hortons, I had to shut down its dining area because of uh, drug crisis issues. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know what that's about because I would go into the Tim Hortons in my own building and the washroom was like primarily an injection site. And it sucks for everyone. It sucks for people living in the neighborhood. Obviously, people going to the Timmies. It sucks for the employees. Like, oh my gosh, you did not sign up for that when you said, I want to work at a Tim Hortons. And again, it sucks for the people struggling with these addictions. But what we experienced there were not the same and and... I think not as serious of the troubles really that people have been experiencing in Leslieville. I think it's because we have the condo. So we just go up and we close the door and there's no sort of direct spillover to our unit. Although I, I told that story about when my son and I went to throw the garbage out one day and there was a lady just there in the vestibule area shooting up in, in her ankles, a very sad scene. And my, I think he was five at the time, my son, you know, trying to process what is this? But folks who live near the Leslieville drug injection site, the South Riverdale Community Health Center, which hosts a drug clinic inside, they have been dealing with spillover into literally their own backyards. And as we know, the very tragic shooting death of Carolina Hubner-Makarat, the mother of small children, she was shot and killed in the street, on Queen Street East, an innocent bystander walking to get food for her family. And some of the things we've sub- subsequently learned about that saga unbelievable that one of the employees of that drug center charged with helping one of the suspects escape. A lot of outcry in the community, and we have one of the leading voices from the community who has concerns joining us in just a moment, speaking out on the issue, public consultations where, quite frankly, there were activists who were like bust in to spew their talking points at local residents, who I think were nonpartisan people who just wanted what's best for all. Really unfortunate stuff there. We just need change. It's plain obvious that we need change in how we deal with these drug injection sites. Community members continuing to speak up because the activists can go home to their other neighborhoods of the city and put their talking points on social media. People who live right next to the facility, they live next to it. They still deal with it. Now, the facility has said they're going to bring in changes. Doug Ford has made statements on it. People are unhappy with their city councillors. I see Councillor Paula Fletcher being looped into emails, Twitter posts where people say she's not responding to me. She's not involved with this, not as much as we want. They have said they've brought in changes, including an open house they've just had to talk about some of the changes. What are those changes? Are they what the neighborhood wants? Are 
they enough. Pleased to welcome Derek Finkel back to the program. Derek is a journalist and a resident of the neighborhood. He actually lives right nearby, lives right across the street from the South Riverdale Community Health Center. Good morning, Derek. Welcome back to the program. Uh, thanks, Anthony. It's good to be here. You know, I have to, uh, before you ask me a question, I listened to your story about the, the, the bathroom at uh, your Timmy's across from Moss Park. And I have to say, kind of reminded me of uh, in late November, I, I published a story in the National Post that was actually the story of a former employee of uh, of South Riverdale's uh, harm reduction center. Um, it was a, a kind of a, I guess you could call it a whistleblower piece of sorts uh, by a woman named Tara Riley, who I, I helped uh, sort of tell her story. And it was an amazing of, piece, Derek. It's a must read folks. If you haven't read it yet, Google national post, Tara Riley, Derek Finkel, you got to check this out. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Derek. Yeah. And I just wanted to say one of the revelations that I think would have been a surprise to, to many people, although not to people who live uh, nearby the center, such as myself, but you know, the, the truth is, even though this was a supervised injection site that's funded by the province, one of the, you know, almost immediate consequences of opening this, this, this uh, site was that the drug dealers actually wormed their way into the site. So not only, so, th- you know, people were using the bathrooms, not, not safe injection rooms, but the actual bathrooms in right. South Riverdale to shoot up and they couldn't control it. And they also had, you know, drug dealers dealing out of, the supervised injection booths to the other clients. Right. And, and so it's not just Timmy's that, you know, can't control it. It's, it's, you know, you, even when you, with the best of intentions to, to confront an opioid crisis, you open up one of these sites in, in a community health center, you know, I guess there are a lot, there are a number of, un, I call them unintended inevitabilities that uh, relate to these centers. And one is, that it, they're a health center. They don't have security. They're not the police. Right. And the police, frankly, they, they don't even want the police there. They have a federal exemption from how, you know drug laws. And they, they just don't have the ability to control what's going on in the same way that Tim's, the Tim's employees would struggle. Even the, the people who work in these centers um, couldn't control what was going on both inside this, the, their, their place and outside the place. And yet, Derek, we hear from so many people that this is the way it has to be. You know, we need even more centers like this. And yet, based on what you're saying, I think the professionals aren't actually all that professional. You know, we have some people who have been charged, one employee of that site being charged with assisting someone escaping. And the experts, I feel like, don't actually have that much expertise because the things they're saying are going to work. We keep seeing that they don't work. No. I mean, um, harm reduction is not like other medical it's not like you can't compare it to other medical research, like, you know, colon cancer or something like that. Um, Harm reduction research and harm reduction activism are almost in the same. And so you're, 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 you know, and this is what bothers me about unity health review that's going on right now of, of the South Riverdale um, safe injection site is that, I mean, unity health and, and map their urban studies uh, uh, program, they they boast about being instrumental in the establishment of safe injection in the city in the first place right. through their research and activism. And, you know, even when uh, the, the federal minister, Yara Sachs, came to announce all the 
$21 million funding to combat the opioid crisis. Guess where she did made her announcement from? St. Michael's Hospital, which is Unity Health. Right. And guess what? Unity Health doesn't have any supervised injection sites. So you have to ask yourself why. You know, they're into, they're into the research and the, the grant money, but they're not into actually having one. So I think people need to realize that. Um, but, yeah, the, the, you know, we were told, for example, that research shows everything in harm reduction is evidence-based. But when you start to actually look underneath what the evidence is, it becomes pretty suspect. And, you know, we were told, for example, that um, CTS sites, c- consumption treatment service sites, are, are, uh, will, will lower overdoses and will lower crime. Well, um, they didn't do either. Everything's um, gotten worse. Oakland, Vancouver, yeah. Toronto, we, we see it everywhere. Uh, well, even d- in South Riverdale, right. overdoses have almost tripled since 2020. And as for crime, crime has gone up in South Riverdale since this site opened. And even if you look specifically at within a 200-meter radius of of the site itself, South Riverdale itself, um, assaults have gone up 60%. 911 calls from the immediate area have gone up like 900%. So 900%. Yeah. So you can't, you can't say the crime did not go down. Overdoses did not go down. Um, so I think at a certain point you have to question, and, and even the sensor itself admits, that there's way more use outside of the supervised injection site than inside, especially when during the warmer months. Right. And so, you know, at a certain point, you know, they talk about, um, you know, they, they refer people to social services and they refer people to, you know, um, detox and they refer people. But, but the truth is, you know, we don't actually know how many people, what, what happened? Did they show up to the referrals? What happened as a result of the referrals? How many right. people actually got the treatment that, that they're seeking? So, you know, a lot of the quote-unquote evidence is, is, is not exactly that. All right, we got Derek Finkel still with us standing by here talking about the Leslieville drug site, the South Riverdale Community Health Center. Derek lives across the street from that, and he is a journalist who's been writing some very impactful pieces on this for the National Post. Lots of people in your neighborhood very concerned, but I've definitely heard from people, as I'm sure you have, who are in other parts of the city all across Toronto who are nervous about similar things coming to their communities, and to some degree they are. They are warranted concerns. Uh, you and other neighbors have been speaking out, and the the center says they are doing things about your concerns They are having open houses now. They had one last Wednesday to say, here are the new things we're doing in terms of security guards and fencing. Can you tell us about those and also tell me whether they address your concerns? Yeah, sure. Um, So, yes, they, I mean, the center's been on a very, they've been on a a very long, uh, you want to call it a PR or damage control campaign since, since the day of the shooting. And since that time and what these open houses are, or, or I guess designed to, to, to show off, if you want to use that word, um, is some of the things they've done. So, for example, the, the drug den that existed on the east side of the building, it was like a parquet. It was, it was owned by the Presbyterian Church on that corner that the church fenced off that area. So people can't get in there anymore. So that's one thing they're showing off. The other thing they're showing off is that <clears throat> they've hired a security company. They have, usually have two during, you know, mo- throughout most of the day, they have two security people, um, you know, around the building. Um, and then I guess, you know, some improved lighting, they updated their, their uh, security cameras and so forth. And I guess my response to that is, I guess, twofold. One is, um, I guess it's hard for me to, to take this open house in this, 
these, you know, this pure message in a genuine light, because I think in order for someone, you know, to reconcile or to, you know, uh, you know, before you can, you can fix a problem, you have to acknowledge the problem. And ever since the day Carolina was shot, um, the center, the CEO, Jason Holmberg, he has never once publicly acknowledged that the center failed to respond to my community's safety concerns, which were issued over many years going back right. to well before the pandemic. They've never once said that they failed us ever. Two, they've never once acknowledged publicly that they allowed a drug den to cultivate on the perimeter of their building, not just for a couple of weeks, but for years. And, you know, all you have to do is look out the window to see it. And, the, and, and part of that drug den is drug dealers, which is the inevitability, as I said before, of these sites. And some of those drug dealers get into fights and some of those drug dealers carry guns. Thankfully, it's relatively rare, but it happens. And Derek, you said they're let in. So clearly people know who they are. They're repeat visitors. Why are they let in? Well, yeah, what, why they're let in is because they can't stop them from getting in. They say they don't allow it. But, you know, after Tara Riley's story, it was interesting. Uh, Jason Altenberg released a statement saying, oh, we don't allow um, stolen goods on, into, our, uh, into our center. We don't allow drug dealers. We don't allow drug dealers. Well, saying you don't allow something is not the same thing as saying it didn't happen, right? right? And, well, so, and if they know it's happening, then they're allowing it. Like you can have the policy at the door saying no right. drug dealers come in, no stolen goods. But then if you know this guy's a drug dealer and he's coming in every day, you are allowing it. Right. And what I would say about the security force and the fence is that, you know, do you know in South Riverdale, I had an hour and a half conversation with the woman, Leah Palmer, who ran the... Uh, uh, the safe injection site um, back in spring of 2021. She told me they didn't have uh, a budget for security. Do you know when South Riverdale came up with a budget for security? Two hours after Carolina was shot. And um, if they'd built a fence, hired security, um, you know, had their cameras actually focused on something other than where their employees stored their bicycles during the day, you know, the odds are pretty good or even monitored the, the security cameras. Um, you know what, Carolina would probably be here today. And, and Derek, so, when you talk about PR exercises, you're not using that term lightly. They have hired PR firms, right, to, to help them with their messaging. And I imagine that these were not voluntary, that they had a budget for that. Absolutely. Um, their board minutes, which are um, on their website, you can see that they had emergency board meetings. Like Carolina was shot on a Friday. On the Sunday uh, night, they had an emergency board meeting. And, you know, lawyers and well-known PR executives were at the meeting. So everything that has happened, everything that has been said and not said, has been very, very controlled um, by the board, the executives. The, 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 you know, it's, I just, I've spent probably more than 30 hours in meetings with the executives and board members of this center. And it is very difficult for me to come away um, with the feeling that these are genuine people who really care about the community. And when they use the word community, um, they typically just mean the drug you know, using community. They don't mean the, the community uh, that lives and works around them. And, you know, what you said uh, before the break about some of the activists who are, um, who speak out regularly in support of um, Arm reduction and supervised injection. 
You're right. They don't actually live. Um, they live kilometers away. Right. A virtue signal from afar. And it's very, it's, it's, and feel good about doing something about the opioid crisis. But there was a Lethbridge study uh, from the city of Lethbridge in Alberta that came out in 2020 and it's about the impacts of these sites on the communities around them. And it's a really interesting study because it started before the site um, opened. And so there was a baseline of what activities and any social mm. behaviors and so forth were before. And what it, what it essentially came to in a, in a sentence or two is that those who live closest, like within 200 meters of a site like this, they are bearing an inordinate amount of the burden right. so that those who live, you know, 600 meters away or a kilometer away or 202 kilometers away, like some of these activists who are regularly speaking out, um, they, so that they can hold, you know, dear their ideology and so that they can feel good about doing something um, for the, you know, people who are struggling with. They just don't feel it the problems. same way. Derek, I'm up against the clock, so I got to yep. interrupt you and I got to let you go, but I, I thank you for what you're doing. I encourage people to read your pieces and I hope you and I can speak again. I know you speak regularly with Alex, but I hope we can chat again. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Okay, and give Alex my best. Take care. All right, you got it. Really important work from Derek Finkel.